Blog Talk Radio. few of my friends here joining us tonight. I'll have uh, Mr. Taz Taylor joining us, along with our other co-host, Ms. Lee Reed in the house. Oh, guys, I need to start it out with something, you know, um, upon further review. Um, I think I should take this real quick time to maybe explain myself uh, in what might seem as uh, an announcer being biased. Um, I don't normally feel the need to explain myself, but I'll take this opportunity to defend uh, what I think probably was a little bit, a uh, little bit overboard. I think you know when I, upon further review, I think that uh, the last thing that I would want to do is have another racer uh, think that I wasn't necessarily pulling for him as much as I was pulling for somebody else. I know in the position that I'm in, we're not supposed to show bias. Um, but my defense, it was the house divided 40. It was a two-day weekend of cars meeting other cars. Of course, I was on the Super Late Model side. I'm speaking on behalf of the street stock race. That uh, was the final race of the evening um, uh, on Saturday night, uh, Sunday morning. Of course, it ended in a picture-perfect uh Photo finish, I guess, is the only thing that you can really explain. Um, there was not transponders recording that lap. It actually turned into this big old thing that I don't want to really get into. But I did go back and listen to the race, and I did find myself to be quite biased. And the only defense that I have in this, guys, and, 
and maybe my colleagues will kind of help me out because I am critical. I am pretty hard on myself. Look, I want to be the most professional person that I can be on that mic. And a lot of times, I, you know, I also want people to feel my passion for the sport. And I think in that instance, what, it, what, what really happened there was we have a young man who's been racing for, you know, six, seven, eight years. Um, he's never – he's been close, guys. I mean, he's, he's you know, he's come – he's sat on poles for big races, um, like the Street Stock Nationals, I think, one year. Um, and it just never has worked out uh, for Ben. And, and there's been, uh, you know, uh, at times um, some head scratching and figuring out how this kid was going to uh, get to the next level, make that step. And so I guess my only defense to that is if you yourself as a racer was out there for eight years trying your best to get a win and and you had the privilege to you know basically have a knowledgeable hopefully knowledgeable announcer that knows how important it is for everybody in that family to see their child or their husband their friend in victory lane all of that hard work paid off because in racing sometimes we are biased Sometimes we are biased, and we don't mean to be, but sometimes people have to work really hard to get something, to be successful at something. And, and I think that for that moment, we were all fans of that kid. And no matter the indifferences, no matter what's happened over in the past or anything like that, the, these guys are winners. And they proved it. They got a win, and they had an announcer who – took notice that the fact that this kid's tried really hard. If I've, if I've made other people mad, I'm very sorry. That was never my intention. But I'll celebrate your win just as much as I'll celebrate anybody's win, especially when it's a first-time winner. When it's a first-time winner, I don't, you know, it's just something about a first-time winner. And I'll, I, I'll stop it at that. The end. So I'd like to bring on my co-host, Chad Taylor, Ms. Lee Reed. Do y'all have anything, anything to say before we can just move on from that and move on to the news? Guys? Y'all there? Hello? Hello, hello. Um, is there anybody on the airways here? All right, so I think we're live. Um, I'm not sure why uh, something has happened here. We're going to bring Miss Lee, I believe. Is that, is that you, Miss Lee? Yeah, I'm here. All right, good deal. All right, so I don't know what happened. I, I, I hit the wrong intro. button. No. Okay. As far as your intro, Chris, you're passionate. We know that. And you did a great job. That's all I got to say. All right, we'll, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> so some pretty exciting 
uh, news, I guess, over the weekend. Um, uh, since the last time we were on there, of course, Josh Berry, um, and we'll get to that in just a second. But Miss Lee Reed, I think that we have something that's just um, it's it's life and it's very complicated, and we want to try to fit this in the little box of where it belongs and move forward. So if if I, I can give you the floor, Miss Lee, I think that you have a couple of statements to read. Absolutely. So everybody's heard the news of what happened uh, with um, Jimmy Johnson's wife's family, and we are simply going to read the statements that have come from those surrounding them and leave it at that. Legacy Motor Club has elected to withdraw the number 84 Carvana Chevrolet from this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series event in Chicago. The Johnson family has asked for privacy at this time, and no further statements will be made. NASCAR said, we are saddened by the tragic death of members of Chandra Johnson's family. The entire NASCAR family extends its deepest support and condolences during this difficult time to Chandra, Jimmy, and the entire Johnson and Janway family. Rick Hendrick also released a statement, longtime car owner for Jimmy Johnson. Our family and our entire team are all grieving with Shani, Jimmy, and their loved ones. This is truly an unthinkable tragedy, and our hearts are broken for them. I've been in touch with Jimmy and offered our love, support, and the full resources of our organization in whatever capacity they they need. And we at the 110 Nation also extend our love and condolences to the families. And there will be no speculation about anything. No, not, no. We, just, no, we, we, just, not. we just want to support them. Right. And prayers with, with the family and everybody involved. Um, and, and it has been stated that Legacy Motorsports Motor Club has come out and said that Jimmy Johnson's uh, entry has been withdrawn for this weekend's race uh, at Chicago. So um, we'll just pray for the family and pray for the best outcome possible in this terrible situation. Now, on to the news. So I think that's the worst-kept secret in the garage. Um I, we found out two things in this in this situation. First of all, I had no idea that, uh, and it hasn't. I mean, it was said on DBC. I, I, I guess it's been confirmed. I didn't. I didn't hear a statement where they had to retract it. But obviously, Anheuser Busch has decided, elected to leave the Stuart Haas organization. More details to come. I would speculate. Uh, wow, Barry, I missed that one. Wow. Yes. Door Bumper Claire, uh, it was stated on Door Bumper Claire, I believe, by Freddie Kraft, uh, that Anheuser-Busch will not be returning to Stuart Haas Racing. So, um, well, I mean, you we'll, know, we'll does, that, that. That, does that come as a surprise with Kevin leaving? No. No, it's a typical of Bush and other 
of Anheuser. Of, I mean, this is Budweiser has been with Dion, Hendrick Motorsports, um, uh, Ray Everham, uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Harvick. You know, um, I think Bush Beer has been about everywhere, or Bud Light, or I mean, what Budweiser. Um, so you know, it's it's. I mean, I think I wrote an article ten years ago about Anheuser Busch being in the sport for 30 plus years. So uh, it's been, it's been 40 years now because <laughs> that, that article was at least 10 years ago. Uh, right. So yeah, they've been around for a very long time and, and you know, and good news is, I guess they're not departing from the store, from the sport. Uh, so uh, I, I speculate that they will be probably going to, well, I'm, I'm going to leave that open. Uh, what we do know is Josh Berry has signed a long-term deal to race with Stuart Haas Racing. Any surprise with that, Miss Lee? <laughs> is that no? Like, I, I, I think I think we've bit we've beaten that horse dead over the past several weeks, even before the announcement was made. Well, okay, so let's let's hit it from this side: Rodney Childers and company. Um, do we see, first of all, Stuart Haas seems to be struggling, like, consistently. Every week, it's just, it just seems to get, it, it seems to get worse and worse. Chase Briscoe's running around with the Rick Ware race cars. Um, you know, um, things are bad at Stuart Haas. And then Tony Stewart comes out and says, we're not accepting daddy's money. And I think that that's a really, uh, uh, courageous thing to say, and I, and, I, and I think that it reminds me of the old times where the race team got the sponsor, and they picked who they wanted in the race car. So there's a lot of different folds to that as well. You're right, right. We have beat the Josh Berry to Stuart Oz racing to death. This is no secret. But now that it's officially here, what are the effects that it has on this team and uh, you know, uh, Josh Berry's been sponsored by Bass Pro Shops. I had originally speculated that Bass Pro Shops may have been on its way back to Stuart Haas Racing uh, because of possibility of Martin Truex Jr. Now, Martin Truex Jr.'s career is still hanging in the wings. Eric Amarola's career is still hanging in the wings. And Josh Berry has been announced to replace Kevin Harvick. So uh, this opens the door for possibility of Bass Pro Shops I think being uh, Josh Berry's sponsor, could that have a, an effect with how much money is going to Martin Truex Jr.? We don't know. These are the dominoes. We don't know how they're going to fall. Miss Lee. Well, he's got he's got KHI Enterprise behind him, so we know that they are going to be obviously aggressively looking for sponsors. Um, you know, he's Josh has had a, a mix of sponsors throughout his career. So who from his all of his race experience is, is going to jump in? You know, could could Bath be one of them? Right. Yeah, now we're looking for a sponsor. So, um, uh, yeah, and I doubt, I just have a hard time believing, Ms. Lee, that Tony Stewart would not, would make the bold statement, I'm not taking daddy's money, 
we're going to have sponsors for our cars, and we're going to go get the talent that we want. And he's done this with Priest. I understand exactly. how he can bankroll about all this, but you have to have – got to have the buy-in that these sponsors are here, and I, I think that may have been, you know, it could have been a kick out the door to Anheuser-Busch as well, I guess, now that I'm, you know, now that we're analyzing uh, the the uh, the question that was asked to present to uh, Tony Stewart. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variables in all this now, and, and, and Eric Amarola, Martin Truex Jr., they're their careers are out there hanging in the wing. We don't know about Smithfield Bacon, whether or not they're going to return with Eric Amarola or if that's maybe a sponsorship situation. I know that yeah. Tony Stewart and Stewart Haas Racing has to have some kind of sponsorship money coming into this racing, or they are going to get a lot worse. Right, but I think we're moving away from, and we've seen this with other teams, we're moving away from businesses being a primary sponsor for a team. It's it, it's economics. It, it, it's the financial situation that the country is in right now. Some, some sponsors have chosen to leave the sport completely. Others are cutting back. So, is there? Here's a, here's an interesting question: Is there going to be a primary sponsor for Josh Berry, or have they cobbled together enough large sponsors to get him through the season? Yeah. You know that. Well, and you know. Gene Haas has carried the sponsorship, I think, on the 41 uh, right. throughout throughout this entire inception. You know, and I know I understand CNC is a really big company and that, uh, you know, right. it's just, no different just than like, Hendrick Cars. Just like Hendrick has sponsored Larson and carried his sponsorship. So, I mean, here we are. Um, one piece of the domino has fallen. There is several more pieces to go. Um, if Eric Amarillo, since we're talking about Stuart Haas racing, we understand Chase Briscoe has a long-term deal. They've got two major changes there. Something's just terribly wrong. Priest ran really good at Nashville. Uh, he ran in the top yeah. 20 the whole the whole race. It's crazy that I say top 20, and that's really good. Uh, but that's how kind of kind of pretty bad that. Uh, that's where Stuart Haas is right now, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, and, of course, the uncertainty with – I feel like the longer we go not knowing about Eric, Eric Amarola, the more I'm kind of, like, in, into it that he's going to return because uh, I think that, you know, it would be a pretty important piece to know that there's uh, a chair open – at Stuart Haas Racing going into this, uh, you know, the long stretch into the second half of the season. Deals like to be done by September. I'm sorry, it's already July. Yeah, it may be a couple right. of days left on the calendar in June, but, I mean, it's here, right? Um, that means you got two months to get a deal done. And, uh, at, you know, knowing what seats are open and what seats are available uh, is important. And we should hear something pretty soon about uh, the future 
of Eric Amarillo. Um, but uh, so I guess is there anything else we need to cover on the Stuart Haas racing? I know the performance side has been quite iffy. Uh, we could take some speculation on who could be the replacement of Eric Amarola. I think we've covered that, like Zane Smith, Michael McDowell, or, you know, fill in the blank. So, yeah. Um, how still, about... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to the next topic. I'm glad you're teeing up. No, go ahead. Okay, so Ryan Blaney, I guess. That's, that's the next subject of discussion. Oh, Ryan Blaney the inside wall pretty hard. And I got the safety. I bet you do. Um, it, it is almost redundant. I hope I use that correctly. That we have a situation where there is not soft walls on any part of a racetrack. Missly, go ahead. Why? Did they not at least have tires there? I don't care that it's an inside wall. I don't care that it's got a curve to it. There is absolutely no reason to at least have a, you know, if you can't put safer barrier there for whatever reason, why were there not at least tire barrier or water barrels or something. That was just outrageous. For all the advances that we have made safety-wise in NASCAR, what the heck went wrong? I mean, it's it's cost-saving, but I don't agree with it. I have a, I have this theory that any place that you point to on a racetrack, if you say that a car can't go there, I'm going to bet you $100 it will. They're going to go and there. I guarantee you. I guarantee you I'm going to win $100. Yeah. No, there, there's, there, there is no excuse. Used tire barriers are not that expensive. Water barrels are not that expensive. There should be something there, period. Do you think the grass had anything to do with how hard the hit was? or? Um, well, yeah, you know, because he skidded, right, skidded right across it. <clears throat> right. So that might have added, even added some speed. I don't think it slowed him down. I think it might have added speed. Grass is slick. Right. Yeah, so we've seen a lot of these places take the grass out. Um, you know, even Martinsville, right? I mean, what, what was, you know, you go back and watch some of the races of old and the skirting, the, in, the infield skirting uh, had grass. Well, that's all been taken away now and, and concrete's been added or asphalt's been added. Um, Charlotte, they have uh, a, type of, a type of turf. Now, of course, what we've seen with Charles, uh, Carl. Oh, what the hell is wrong with me? Carl Edwards uh, running through the infield, I believe, at Charlotte in a, I think, an all-star event, and it ate the front end of uh, of his race car. Um, so, you know, 
maybe that's where they messed up. Like they, they thought, okay, you know, it's not going to be that much speed based off of where the corners. It's really no, it's, it's, it's no forgiveness, right? I mean, the fact of it is, Miss Lee, is there was a vulnerability. There was a, a vulnerable spot left open, and it could have put a, a driver's life and career in jeopardy. And anytime Absolutely. these drivers step up and say something to the sanctioning body about their safety, I don't feel any need to argue their point at all. Like I said, it, it, it's not that expensive to put in tire barriers or water barrels. There should be something there, period. Amen. Um, oh, there's Taz. How much Taz? Taylor, glad to have you back. Hopefully everything's all good on your end. Look, I'm not even lying to y'all. An hour and a half ago, we were sitting in the dark. Uh, we had a fuse go bad in our main fuse box. And my wife is in the middle of cooking supper, and everything just went dead. So I ran outside, and I put the fuse box, and it started making this crazy sound, and then everything died. And so we sat here for two hours and waited on the electrician to get here. And thank goodness they got it fixed, and uh, they were able to get our electricity back on for now. But we do have to replace a couple of parts uh, tomorrow. So amen, hallelujah. Uh, it would have been terrible if Miss Lee would have been here by herself. <laughs> we don't know yeah. how really close that was. <laughs> amen. Uh, amen. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about the Stuart Haas situation, um, and we kind of left that on the table with Josh Berry and obviously maybe the open seat uh, with Eric Amarola. Uh, then we bounced to uh, the Ryan Blaney uh, wreck. Um, and the lack of inner wall, uh, uh, safety wall, and or tires, cushions, anything to that effect. We also covered the fact that there is a grassy stretch in that area, which could have added to the out-of-controlness and or speed at the rate that he hit the wall at. I, I for one, did not – I only heard it on in my ears – uh, I did not get to sit down until about 100 laps to go uh, and finish the race. Uh, so I actually missed that part. But I'm going to tell you all right now, the race that I did watch at 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning was the Xfinity race. And I said, I be damn, y'all. There is going to be a race with a wreck every five laps just so I can't go to freaking sleep. And I be damn. Yeah, they didn't get home from the track until 2 o'clock in the morning, so I turned the race on. And normally I typically go to sleep, right? I would just fall asleep, but hell no. Uh, that was a wreck. And, and it was on the edge of the seat. Interesting. Like, I loved it. Like, I wasn't like, oh, my God, it's just a freaking Rick fest, Miss Lee. No, I was quite the opposite. I was, I was on the edge of my seat. These guys were literally out of control. Yeah, they they couldn't start the race for nothing. What do you think that was? I I had a theory with my son at 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning as we were watching this Xfinity race that would not go away. That that asphalt, that concrete was so hot it was just like glass, and these cars were spinning out because there was no there was no grip. 
That's what we used to like about racing, was it not, Terrence Taylor? It was, I will say, the beginning part was, the beginning part of the racing uh, was not bad at all. Um, it was a more, I guess you could say it was more wild than what we have been seeing. I don't know if it's because it's the Fox curse or whatever, but I'll kind of keep away from the broadcast side of things. But anyway, um, but no, I thought the racing all in all start to finish had, had it's good moments. I thought, uh, the battles for the lead at times with Reddick and Chastain and then Hamlin and Truex when they got going, when they got it, um, up front, um, when they got up front, it was entertaining there. Um, it sucked that Reddick uh, wrecked, or not really wrecked out, but kind of lost his tire and that costed his race, but because I would have enjoyed seeing uh, three Toyotas versus Chastain, or if maybe Reddick could uh, get a win on the Oval. I mean, it's, as far as I know of, it seems like where Reddick has has his groove going on the oval is where the bad luck strikes in, and where he runs on road courses where his good luck strikes. And man, Reddick, let me tell you, he's a force to be reckoned with. And RCR lost out on a on a guy on a ta- huge talent, and Denny Hamlin's got a bright star ahead of him. But yeah. I think, but I think Chastain, um, Chastain was basically the man of the weekend. I mean, he was one, he was up there on the fastest in practice, if not the fastest. Uh, qualifying, obviously, he got the pole. Uh, he won a stage, I believe. Um, and then, and then, hey, he got the job done. And it wasn't, and I don't want to say it was Ross Chastain's domination. I don't think it was. I pretty much think, believe it was it was Ross versus Toyota, um, because Hendrick Hendrick in the last two years have won the national races, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson, but they were not um, they were not lead contenders. They weren't battling for the lead. Yeah, they ran like top five, top ten, but. Not one when they just were not Hendrick form that we're used to seeing for most of these past weeks. And I believe Chastain capitalized on that moment and he was right there. And of course Toyota with JGR, Hamlin and Truex specifically, and then Reddick before he had his issues, they're all top guns. And it's funny we mentioned. It's funny that I say that because, like I said, we're always talking about Hendrick. This week we're not really talking about him. We're talking about somebody else. Yeah, definitely the Toyotas were dominant. Uh, Ross Chastain wins. Uh, the Keselowski Fords were fast. Um, Eric Jones. Out of, out of left field. How about that? Eric Jones, I think a top, solid top ten finish. 
Yeah, but a solid top 15, what sh- what we should be talking about with Eric Jones, shouldn't we be seeing no, top 10s, top 5s? Yeah, and I think we will, Miss Lee. I, I really I think a lot of eggs are in the basket uh, for the future of Toyota. Toyota found out that they were literally hanging on the strings of Joe Gibbs Racing. And at any point in time, Joe Gibbs could have entertained an offer uh, from another manufacturer and just basically stuck CRD without um, a legitimate uh, manufacturer. I think that they are taking this golden opportunity where Jimmy Johnson's bringing in a whole lot of people. They've seen the success of RFK already. They've looked at the, at the long-term success that Stuart Haas has had. And so they're going to be able to, you know, basically mold and make sure this thing into a, a top level program. I also believe that there may be some help coming, right? And the last thing Reagan said, the last thing you ever want to hear is your government say help is coming, right? But, in Jimmy Johnson's situation, um, help is coming, could come in the name of uh, Michael Andretti. Uh, there are now talks again that Andretti uh, has shown interest into getting uh, a NASCAR team. Um, we've also, you know, it's a great time to mention this about Joe Gibbs Racing. Joe Gibbs Racing actually sold a minority stake to, um, well, can we get that? Can we get that real quick, Jamie? Can we get that? Can we get that article sent? Uh, Tess, do you, do you have, can can you pull that up? I don't know if y'all got the Joe Rogan reference, but uh, I mean, you got to listen to Joe Rogan. There was actually a sale, so so this is like a merger. This is a sale. This is, I believe, a an investment firm that Joe Gibbs has now sold a minority stake of Joe Gibbs Racing to this. Um, um, group of investors, and in return, he now has received ownership in an NBA team and I believe an NHL team through this same firm. Right. Which is very, very interesting, and it should show us the signs and the times of, well, there's only a limited amount of charters to buy, so how many people can we cram on this ticket? And I think that that's going to be the route that you see Junior Motorsports go when they come when they come up to Cup Racing. We've seen how Denny Hamlin's team is kind of a sideshow of Joe Gibbs Racing, but you know at the same time they have Curtis Polk and Michael Jordan who's calling the shots. Joe, uh, Denny Hamlin is no longer relying on Joe Gibbs for a pit crew, so there is some uh, you know uh, separation. Uh, but I believe what's happened here is, as I said before, Toyota figured out that all their eggs were in one basket, and they needed to have multiple satellites. And uh, I feel like Aaron and, Jones is in a cat bird seat for this for this new arrangement coming next uh, next year, Miss Lee. And for what it's worth, part of what Joe Gibbs got in that deal was a part ownership in the um, Washington Commanders. And is that not the team that Joe Gibbs coached? I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't follow football that much. Yes. But it's uh, the Washington Redskins that are now known as the Washington Commanders. 
which okay. there is okay. an issue so, with that as well. Yeah. Because do you have yeah, an article so, pulled up yet? Check the, I, I've got, the feed. I I've got an it. article here. Says so the deal announced Tuesday says so Joe Gibbs Racing has received a significant investment from Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment for the minority stake in the team. Gibbs, meanwhile, will become a limited partner in Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment pending approval by the NBA and NHL. Blitzer owns the 76ers the NHL's New Jersey Devils, and Josh Harris, the founder, is the head of the ownership group for the commander. So, you know, basically, basically, Coach Joe is diversifying. Right. Protecting his investment for later on. Um, and, And that could open the door, of course, for somebody else to buy into uh, the Joe Gibbs race team. Um, and, and what we're seeing here is not unprecedented. We've seen it with Fenway years ago, right? Fenway, of course, comes from Boston. The guy by the name of John Henry owns uh, the Boston Red Sox, where that became the name Roush Fenway Racing. So, um, you know, the, these uh, uh, investment firms have become a popularity if anybody's been following the live golf tour uh you kind of probably have your own opinion on uh how these uh, investment firms run and um what what they're utilized for uh but hey it's an opportunity for joe racing to grow and possibly you know be a mainstay uh in nascar for a very long time at least uh even if it's just a small piece later on down the road because the big question mark with Joe Gibbs racing, I think we all know this. Joe Gibbs is up yep. in age. He's done lost both of his sons and his grandson as a racer. So there's a lot hanging on the line here. If Ty Gibbs is not, not successful as a racer, I think Joe Gibbs has really put a lot into getting his grandson in NASCAR. Um, you could see an organization like Richard Childress with – at Austin Dillon at the head of the helm, you would see similar situ a similar situation happen at Joe Gibbs Racing. Y'all's thoughts on what we on what we are here, and I'll start with you, Tad. You mentioned the uh, family ties and um, when it comes to teams and stuff like that, and how you mentioned RCR uh, with Austin Dillon. I honestly feel like. Um, I actually feel like Gibbs may have a better hand with Ty Gibbs versus Childress with Austin Dillon. Only because in the fact that, yes, Ty right now is a rookie, and he's and last year he was kind of just thrown into a car just to fill in for Kurt Busch. But I feel like he's found more of his stride um, than Austin Dillon right now, or at least for this year anyways. I don't know if it's really the new car or if it's Austin Dillon just doesn't have the talent and Ty Gibbs um, has talent, just needs to 
kind of mature and develop. I'm not, I don't entirely know where to pinpoint it, but it just seems like Gibbs, Gibbs has the formula. He just needs to find, I guess, the drivers. Um, but that could be this whole next-gen car be more equal and whatnot because Gibbs really, if Gibbs really, if Ty gets gets you know better in his performance, we could easily see all four Gibbs cars running up front week in week out, and that wasn't the case before. It was always uh, Kyle Busch and Martin Trix Jr. or Denny Hamlin. And then that fourth car was kind of like you didn't really talk about it much unless it won the unless it won a race pretty basically. The red-headed stepchild. And and yeah, we've sat here and said many times that we don't like people and even Tony Stewart has made this comment. Uh we don't like people that come into the sport um, buying their way in instead of earning their way in, but I and I I hate saying this, but I kind of, like I I feel like Ty Gibbs could be the long term investment in Joe Gibbs Racing, and I feel like RCR shot themselves in the foot of trying to long term invest in their um, in Austin Dillon, what when they could have long-term invested into Tyler Reddick. And now, with Kyle Busch in the fray, maybe RCR can sit here and say, okay, we have Kyle Busch for maybe another, like, five years. Let's, so who do we look at through not only the KBM deal, but also through the RCR deal? And this is kind of tying back into what earlier – of what you guys talked about with the SHR deal of who comes into play. Well, honestly, Austin Hill, or, and this isn't really much of a RCR thing, it's, or it's, I should say SHR. But I mentioned in the chat that Suarez, you know, is not his, is not running as well as he was last year. And I feel like if, we put a different driver in the 99 car. Will we will we see the same kind of performance as Suarez has been doing, or will we see better? And I feel like Trackhouse could be a serious serious threat if they had that 99 car running up front, and they could focus on that Project 91 car, maybe turning it into. Um, maybe a third full-time ride. And I feel like RCR, if they don't invest long-term into somebody, they're going to lose another prospect. They lost Tyler Reddick. They could possibly lose Austin Hill, in my opinion. So I feel like Gibbs, so I feel like right now Gibbs, with his investment, it may pay off. I know there have been, uh, I know Hamlin and, Truex has weighed in their comments, and I haven't looked to see what their comments are, but I honestly think in terms of long-term investment, if we're going to throw family into the mix, I feel like Gibbs 
may have a better shot than Childress with Austin Dillon. And, yes, I'm shooting myself in the foot for that one, and I hate saying it. Yeah, I mean, Ty Gibbs has showed that he's got a little bit of talent in him. I mean, but so did Austin Dillon and Ty, uh, Ty Dillon both in the Xfinity Series. Uh, you know, it's the only time we'll tell. Uh, I think as an organization all around Ty Gibbs, definitely with a better organization uh, than what Richard Childress was at the time that uh, Kevin Harvick left when Austin Dillon kind of took over as the lead guy. Um, of course, Ryan Newman. I think was still in the 31 at the time. Um, but, um, you know, you brought up some interesting uh, points there. Okay. Miss Lee? I think that the team owners are finally facing reality and um, that they're not going to be around for forever. And they're trying to do what they can to keep their teams going. But, you know, well, what it boils down to is NASCAR isn't what it was. 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. And My boy. so they have to they have to try to My diversify boy. and um you know, do what they can to keep their legacies going. Right. By the same token. Hendrick and Gordon. Right, but you know, but by the same token, is this going to dilute the NASCAR that we know and love? Because where is that legacy? You don't have that right. legacy anymore. Yeah, it's more like a timeshare, timeshare program, right, Miss Lee? Uh, yeah, that's a, that is a good analogy, Chris. <laughs> it is. It well, really is. I kind of. And we've I seen this back in, in the late, uh, middle 2000s, if y'all remember, real quick uh, again, and the merger with like Everham and Richard Petty Motorsports and um, Gin and Earnhardt, uh, along with Jim Ganassi. So we've seen these multiple players jump into this ownership role before, and of course it fanned out and it was back. Normal again. Uh, what, what's your thoughts, Pat? Well, I was just thinking, and may, you guys may agree, maybe you guys don't. But before this Kyle Bush move, right, I've always played into my head that um, that with the whole Hendrick and Gordon thing, basically, it basically says if once Hendrick either decides to basically leave. Um, the racing world in general, or when he finally, you know, moves on in life. Um, Jeff Gordon is basically his right-hand man and basically take over Hendrick Motorsports. So so I've sat here for a while, and I've thought to myself, who else is in that deal? 
And before Kyle Busch, you know, and the before the talks of last year with Kyle Busch and JGR, I'm saying you're like, you know, Kyle Busch could basically be the next guy to take over for JGR if nobody within the family falls in line because Kyle Busch with his truck team was basically a feeder system for Joe Gibbs and Xfinity and, and Cup. So, right. And, and when you looked at, and I hate to throw in some virtual stuff in this, but when you look in the eSports side of things, when you put Joe Gibbs um, into the table, the, it was, the numbers were always 18 and 51. Who's associated with both of those numbers? Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. So, so it made you think, okay, maybe Kyle Busch can step into the Joe Gibbs deal at some point down the line. Well, now that's not happening. So, so now timetable changes. We're still in the Hendrick uh, Jeff Gordon deal. I'm, now we got Keselowski involved with Roush. So it makes you think, okay, once Roush goes or steps away, Keselowski is basically the the guy to take over. RCR, in my opinion, should lean on Kyle Busch because of the fact that Kyle Busch is gonna has a truck team. He's gonna bring prospects for you. He's good. Kyle Busch obviously brings an insane amount of talent and a number number of years experience sure. and now it's obviously uh, Stuart Haas is in it for a little while so it makes you think some of these other teams like who is their next falling in line you know and but when, but who does but who does Stuart Haas have to step up I mean, and I, take over the reins I mean Tony still got you got years. You could do a Stuart. You could do a Stuart Harvick situation if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, Tony's not going anywhere. Hell, he's got so many, so many different outlets. It's crazy. And I think and Leah won this weekend uh, on the on the drag side, on the drag racing side. Yeah, but Tony. Uh, Tony ain't going to be around forever either. Right. No, that's very true. I think it's too um, I think it's too early to pre- kind of predict where Tony's going. I mean, when we talk, I feel like we're now at the point of I mean, we also have to think about Penske too cuz we now have to sit here and think he Hendrick Gibbs Rouse those guys have been in it for decades. Now we got to find the next and generation all, And they're all old men. You know? Who is going to carry on the legacy of each team? Regardless of who their grandkids are or who their primary primary drivers are, who is going to carry their vision? Who is going to carry their legacy? Right. And what does I that mean for the future of NASCAR? 
so it's you know it's interesting with the Jeff Gordon thing uh, because of course Rick Hendrick had a son Ricky, uh, but um, unfortunately you know he passed away in a plane crash, and I think that that's kind of opened the door for a Jeff Gordon uh, to eventually take the enterprise of a Rick Hendrick Motorsports. Um, right. And, and and where does that leave Coach Joe with his right. boys gone? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that's the question. That's the million-dollar hey, question. Hey, he where, have, where does Joe Gibbs go anymore? Right. That was a great point uh, as on how we kind of all – and I think had Joe Gibbs had a crystal ball, he probably would have done things different with Kyle. Um, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but you know, you have to wonder how much of that decision was actually left out of Joe Gibbs's hands and more by what the corporation and whole of Joe Gibbs racing, uh, was looking for at the time. Uh, that was before the passing of, uh, Coy. Right. Or JD. And, and, no, and it was how Coy, much, yes. Coy. And, and how much did, the loss of Mars as a sponsor play into that too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Carl Edwards at one time was offered ownership into Roush Racing. Um, and instead, Ford stepped up and gave him some options uh, from the actual Ford company. Well, you know, he obviously got out of that and went to uh, Toyota to race for them for a year. And uh, we know the story of Carl after that. Now, it is interesting, as we move on to our next subject, I want to talk about the broadcasting, but you can't talk about the broadcasting uh, without mentioning the fact that Carl Edwards made an appearance at Nashville. Uh, I think um, Carl... I think Carl yeah. finally got the balls up and told his wife he wants to race again, or just be a part of be a part of the racing culture. I'm not. I think he pretty much said he didn't. He wasn't up for a return, and didn't think it was fair to have a one-off. Now we've heard this a few times, and I wonder if it's been a slander to Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Got this one-off situation, um, but uh, you know, I, I feel like he pretty much set in stone that he wasn't and had no intentions of returning to the racing side. Excellent broadcaster, he had me hanging on the seat. I listened to him over on the PRN side uh, with Doug Rice, and he even did a great job on that side. So um, I'm not sure how much TV time. He actually got. He he uh, but didn't I was get able. Lit. But he he was there, uh, with quite a bit on the. Uh, you know, I side. would like to let I would like to have him in the broadcast booth if he were to go back, um, some somewhere in the racing world. If it's not racing, I would like to see him in the broadcast booth. But I would like to see him on the truck series side because I mean. Yeah, you've got the color 
character of Michael Waltrip, but I mean, how many more years do we have of um, Michael Waltrip? I'm trying to think of uh, somebody else in that. Who else is in that commentary? Mike Joy. Yeah, yeah Mike there Joy. needs to be a new yeah, lead of Mike Joy, but I don't know who that guy would be right now. And Alan Bestwick. I mean, duh. If he, if he, so, he, so if he chooses. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, Lee Diffie. That would that would turn everybody upside down if a British guy got the lead role. Wait a minute, it's happened before at ESPN, and he got fired, or or was it or was it uh, NBC? I think it was even NBC Sports. As a matter of fact, he got fired. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so Carl Carl would be good in the booth. There's no doubt about it. He's never raced this particular car. So I'd have to see him get in it for at least a race to be actually able to say what's going on with this car. Yeah. Clint, I don't that, want to say. But, you mentioned that, but the question raises: Has Clint Boyer been in one of these cars? No. No, you have a point, but Clint didn't retire as long ago as Carl did. So he's a, he's a little more up to date. Right. Well, he was a part of the design of the car. He was there when they were piecing this car together. So I can kind of get that side of it. Um, uh, Let's move on. Uh, What about the broadcasting itself from NBC? Uh, We switched over from Fox to NBC. We got Dale Jr., and Jeff Burton screaming in the microphone. Uh, but then we got Steve LaTarte. <laughs> Rick Allen. Yeah, oh, my God. Please, you know what I'm talking about. Take it, Taz. Well, oh. as much flavor and entertaining as those two are, Burton and uh, Dale Jr. in the commentator booth, why in the freaking hell would you have them, <laughs> two of the most colorful and entertaining commentators you have, why would you put them trackside where when the cars zoom by them, you can barely hear anything they freaking god dang say? Because they get both high-pitched and get on everybody's damn nerves so they did exactly what they needed to do. I mean, y'all didn't realize that the damn broadcast was so much more crystal clear when you didn't have Dale Jr. and Jeff Burton with their high-pitched voices saying, ah! That's the way it sounds. So I thought it was kind of funny. I thought somebody from the inside was like, here, put them down in there. You'll never hear a word from them because it's a, it'll be cars all over the speedway. That's exactly what happened. You couldn't hear nothing. And then kudos to Dale Earnhardt for just laughing it off. I am extremely disappointed in NBC coverage so far this year. I, it, it it just it irritates me. 
to the point where I'm going to put the radio on. I don't know if MRN or PRN has the radio this weekend, but I'm putting the radio on. I'll watch, but I'm putting the radio on. Hey, it's cool. I've been doing it, too. It's a lot better broadcast because I thought Fox's broadcast got horrible. Oh, yeah. MRN. MRN to answer your question, Lee. Thank you. Well, and it's going to be a road course race there. You guarantee them MRN boys, they'll uh, they'll give you a broadcast we're listening to. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've gotten through uh, some of the topics. Is uh, anybody else have anything to add? Um, I want to talk about Sheldon Creed huh? and well, his good. penalty this weekend. <laughs> so action is detrimental, right? A behavioral penalty. Right. Anybody and know what he did? Um, he talked on the radio that if Sammy Smith got too close to his door again, he was going to turn. And that is what got him his penalty. Not the action on the racetrack, but what he said on the radio. And that is the topic I wanted to discuss. Why are we basing these penalties on what people are saying on the radio rather than the actual action on the track. Because if you looked at the actual wreck, it may or may not have been intentional. But NASCAR went back to what Creed said on his radio and said, yep, you're getting a penalty. Yeah, I just think it's bullshit. I mean, boys have at it, but don't say anything on the radio and keep it incognito, and you can't have any after the race. It, it's, it, I mean, just go ahead and put your hand down and say this is Formula freaking one. Yeah, it, it's crazy. You know, yeah, you, you, you know, we all say things in the heat of the moment that we don't necessarily need. And maybe he meant it, maybe he didn't. Maybe he was just angry at the moment. But remember, we're parking drivers now for this, and that's that's just you know exactly wrecking somebody in a straightaway is not the right thing to do. You know, uh, there's a time and a place, but Jesus, it's like we're almost we're nitpicking now, and that's just that's just you know, I mean, let guys vent, and if something happens on the racetrack. You know, I mean, that's when are you going to say, well, you can't retaliate anymore? What, what's good and what ain't good? That's that's the problem I'm running into. What's good and what ain't good? When are right. you supposed to retaliate? Like, for real. Yeah. Like, so now you just let people run you over? Now you're like, what school's like now? So you can't protect yourself? To, you have to sit there and get your ass beat because you're afraid you're going to get suspended instead of throwing freaking hands? You know, I mean, that's that's what that's the box they're putting these drivers in. And that eventually right. leads exactly. to bullying. 
and 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 that's the point I wanted to bring up was, you know, where do you draw the line? You're saying boys have at it and let these guys race each other, but yet you're going to turn around and penalize them for something they said on the radio, which, like I said, may ha- may or may not have been intentional. Maybe it was just heat of the moment. This is getting too PC. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. But... Yes, safety safety is a concern. There is no doubt about that. But come on, you're gonna. That's like you going back through my Facebook history and finding <laughs> something that I said ten years ago. That offends you. Right. Come on. Right. And 10 years ago, it was a lot different atmosphere than it is now. Exactly. I'm so over the, the offended me uh, shit as well. But you're right, uh, uh, Miss Lee. This goes back to short track racing and drivers being able to defend themselves. And, you know, basically, uh, we complain all the time that drivers are so vanilla. But the moment that we get drivers who are willing to uh, make a show, uh, we want to penalize these guys because they're acting uh, outside character of what NASCAR expects these guys to do. But yet we still have a policy that says boys have at it. Just change the policy, NASCAR. Change the policy. Tell us that it's not boys have at it, that if these fenders so much as touch each other and somebody has a crossword over the radio with another teammate, that they're going to sit them down for three weeks and they're going to have to buy them pacifiers. So, because, I mean, you're treating them like babies. That's well, not racist. Now, and now you're, you know, you're, you're telling these drivers that they can't communicate with their crew chiefs in an honest, frank manner because they got to police themselves. And, you know, Obviously, I don't know what it's like in the cockpit of the car, huh? but you know, I I know that they're they're hot, they're tired, they're angry, whatever, and so they're gonna say shit. But you right. know. I don't know. I mean, you're putting I, them out there at 160 degrees out there on that concrete, and they're upset because a driver got a little hot over the head. You know? I mean, seriously. Like, that's what stock car racing is. This is not Formula One where we're trying to do 220 through the corner. Okay? This is, this is this, I mean, this is short track racing. This is, you know, mile and a half speedway. This is a concrete, you know, uh, uh, facility right so the cars are slipping and sliding it's just it's crazy uh but what it's saying is drivers have got to be a lot more careful about what they say on the radio miss lee um things are going to get like baseball where it has to be everything has to be coded exactly and that and that's what's pissing me off that's what it's turned into everything's going to have to be coded Speaking of Coda, it's hot as hell out here. <laughs> I need a cola. 
Uh, let's talk about uh, this weekend, Chicago land. I don't know if anybody really thought that this would be a topic of discussion here tonight. But we've got enough time uh, to squeeze it in before we get to Taz and Top Chicks. Uh, expectations. Seems like this has been nothing but a roadblock from the beginning. I think that we're all just as surprised that this uh, race is actually going to happen. I think that uh, from the moment it was announced, I said this race will never happen. Uh, so if I had to pay that back, I guess I'd be paying in full. Uh, but it is not like we haven't heard a million things of why it shouldn't happen. What are the expectations rolling into the Chicago street race? And uh, we'll start with you, Taz. The table is open as long as it's about Chicago street race. Well, I've seen NASCAR street races because of the Pinty series. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody else does. I'm sure the Euro and Mexico series does them, but I've never watched them. But anyway, from what I've gathered, um, it's going to be a narrow course, but that does not mean you will not see... um, You will not see passing... It does not mean you'll see, you know, beat bang. Uh, I do think with the layout, there may be a couple spots for passing by the looks of it. Um, And street races, I mean, we've never seen cup cars on the streets ever, obviously. And the only reason why I referenced the Pinty series is, and then this is this is not the first time I've referenced Pinty's with the Cup series because um, the, the next gen kind of almost resemble a Pinty series car in some right. sort of sense. Um, so I feel like some Pinty series racing type of deals. Maybe we won't. I don't know. My mind is open to it. I see it as NASCAR is probably going to give this a one-shot deal if fans are good with it. We'll keep it for the next year. If not, well... It's a three-year deal, Ted. Whether well, we see all three years, of course, is the question. It is a three-year yeah. deal. Yeah. I, I'm kind of hoping we get a good product. If we don't, I kind of hope they take that three-year deal and rip it out of the, sh- rip it, put it in the shredder, and never look at it again. So now you're telling the truth. Now you're telling the truth. You, you don't want this race to happen. You don't like the idea of this race. You've already pooped on this race, and it hasn't even happened. But you don't want to say well, that because you don't want. You don't want to be biased. You don't want to be against something that you haven't watched yet. And in the end, Taz Taylor, we could be surprised. I'm right there with you on everything. But the one thing that I'll keep open to the fact is I've been critical before, and I've ate those words. Are you ready to eat those words? What if this winds up being the coolest race we've ever seen? I mean, these are stock cars that are going to be racing – through the streets or something. Isn't this more – I mean, tell me how many rednecks wanted to go 
and uh, race their hillbilly hot rods in the streets of New York City. I mean, come on. It's got to be something cool about this because I'll really, I'll be honest, I've heard nothing but negativity from everything and everywhere about this upcoming race. Like I said, I'm giving it a shot. I'm not putting it in the toilet completely yet because I've seen Pinty Series races. Uh, some of them are pretty good. If you look on, like, YouTube or Flow, um, like I said, it's, it's, going, it's going to be a narrow course. Like, obviously, we've seen road course races. Like, the track is, you know, you could go to maybe three wide in certain instances. And I'm not referencing Dakota either. Dakota's just a madhouse in its own right. But, um, but I mean, like, the street course is pretty narrow. You're going to have two wide racing from time to time, but you're you're not going to see crazy three wide nonsense. You're going to see beat and bang at some of these corners. Um, drivers are going to have to really be are really going to have their awareness um, abilities be really tested because, I mean, some of these 90-degree turns, they can, be, they can be blinding corners. Right. They're going to play as blinding corners. So if a car goes around about 50 feet after a 90-degree turn, you either mm. better react quick like hell or hold on, for, or hold on to your steering wheel. I have heard some of this about how sharp some of these corners are and how it's going to, it could have a, could have, it could be leading up to a pretty bad accident. I mean, you know, I, I'm excited there. Go ahead, go ahead, Tess, finish it up. All I'm saying is my mind is open. I'll give it a whirl. I've right. seen, I've obviously told you why I have seen and I'll leave it at that. I'm not putting this on the golden shelf, but I'm not burying it in the in the ground yet. Okay. All right, Miss Lee, what's your thoughts on the upcoming Chicago? All right. I I got some big opinions, guys. All right. I am not I am not opposed. I am not opposed to street racing. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a, a a a good new thing to bring into NASCAR. I don't think Chicago was the Bingo. right place to do it. Bingo. Safety. Safety of the drivers, crews, and fans is my big thing. You know, Chicago is a, and I'll put a quarter in, in this swear jar, Chicago's a shit show. Yeah. I don't think that politics, it was the, danger the right place to necessarily do this for the first time. That said... I got a lot of questions. You know, the, you, you're talking about a course that has 
multiple surfaces, asphalt, concrete. It has little gravel. Potential hazards, manholes. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Manholes. These are a lot. Yeah. These cars are a lot heavier than an Indy car or a Formula One car. What if these manholes come up? Holy crap, Miss Lee. What what if simulation hasn't picked up on that? And one of my one of my big concerns is with this new car, you've got those solid bottoms. Right. How are they gonna handle the the differences not only between the road surfaces but such things as manholes and and, and pits and whatnot in the road surface. Something that Drew Blickenstorfer mentioned today was, you know, you've got garbage trucks and whatnot that have left oil slicks all over the road. And, you know, I mean, yeah, they're going to clean it up, but some of that stuff is really soaked into the surface. Yeah, good point. Something that that Drew mentioned is how important the track walk prior to the race is going to be to address all of those issues. And I and I do really wonder how that new um, hard hard underbody is is going to be affected by that. You mentioned that there, and it also makes me wonder, you mentioned about asphalt, gravel, um, concrete. If And I'm not trying to throw a monkey wrench into this one, and I'm not trying to be, try to, you know, be the cloud that hangs over this whole situation, but if it rains, how will these rain tires hold up on different surfaces? Right. Because we've seen rain tires hold up on a racing surface, but how will we see them on the streets? Yeah. Well, that's, that's another point too. I'm, you know, like I said, I, I am not opposed to, Street racing. I think that NASCAR neglected to consult with F1 Indy regarding how to run a street race. But and I think. But have they reached out to their um, outside the U.S. border series about that deal? Well, that that I that I don't know, but I I think that NASCAR jumped on having a street race without consulting all of these other series 
that do them on a regular basis. Right. Well, I'm sure Penske has put his two cents in. Yeah, um, but... And, and probably has some things in the rings that's going to actually help that team because of the experience that they have in these celebrations. Remember, Joey Logano, without a question, should be the favorite uh, for this race, considering the history of Penske Racing. And Joey Logano had inaugural events. Exactly. Yeah. But there's, yeah, you know, there's I also agree. another proponent. Give me one second. There's also another proponent in all this. There is wildfires, once again, that have sent smoke haze this time to Chicago. How about that, guys? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. It was it was bad here today in central Ohio, and we have um, air alerts for the next few days. Um rain coming this weekend so the haze might not be so bad but yeah that's a factor too wow it's funny so how is rain Christmas scheduled Christmas. for chicago go ahead Tess. go ahead well, we'll, we'll look no, at that later. I don't, go ahead, I don't, no i don't know about chicago but we're we're supposed to get rain here in central ohio this weekend so okay. i would imagine chicago will get some too not necessarily for the race, but it should help clear the air. Yes, you mentioned when you mentioned Penske and Logano, um, and who may have an advantage. You know, I'm going to throw an underdog team that may have an advantage, and it's very odd to say this, and nobody would have probably ever thought of this, but they used to be, they used to have a team. In the Pinty series, that where the Pinty series they've run they run short short tracks, road courses, street courses. I feel like Rick Ware Racing may have their hands in that. Well, is Joey Hand going to be in the car? Because I could (laughs) I could see that. I mean, for real. Um, They are a satellite of Stuart Haas Racing, so if Joey Hand, a Ford development driver. Is that the no, race they're, car? Not, they're not aligned with Stuart Haas. I think they're aligned with the front row. Oh, are they? Wow. I, thought, I know uh, they're not, with, they're not a satellite of Stuart Haas anymore. I know that. I can't remember what they're a satellite of now. Okay. I know they're part of development. Well, they've got Indy. They've got NASCAR. Crap. Rick Ware's, like, got his fingers in all the pies. <laughs> and everything. Rick, Ware, yes. Rick Ware's got Andy Lolly in the 51, Jensen Button in the 15. Wow. That's somebody who watches Jensen Formula Button. Formula One. Hell Jensen yeah. Button. This is second. Yeah. This is his second attempt and, in the NASCAR. Uh, and Trackhouse has uh, – they're entering their Project 91 car, and they have um, Shane Van Gisbergen, if I'm pronouncing that right, a three-time V8 Supercar champion. 
and supercars we all know run these kind of tracks. Just the question is, how much heavier is the stock car versus a V8 supercar? If you don't know what a V8 supercar is, think of think of your normal street car with a giant freaking damn wing on the rear end of that car. Think of the biggest wing possible, and that's pretty much it. You know, Jensen Button Button has has not had a whole lot of success in NASCAR, but I would definitely keep an eye on him this weekend. He doesn't like contact, though. So uh, that was the issue last time that he was in a cup car. He said that there was a little way too much contact that he was not used to that. Um, Well, maybe this time he'll be a little bit better prepared on how – have these boys race in the cup series, especially at a place like, uh, I think, you you know, talk about retaliation and whatnot. Um, it, you know, this is an even playing field race. Uh, I expect, uh, I expect these guys, I expect action all the way from practice to the race. I don't know, guys, this is on race up tonight. Um, David Reagan took a, took us through a sim of the racetrack. I'm I'm not so sure. I I'm thinking this is going to be a shit show. Another quarter for the swear jar. I uh, know we've had a few tonight. <laughs> Even Taz has got in on it. <laughs> oh, we're going to Disney World, y'all. We're going to Disney World. <laughs> oh Lord have mercy. Woo, I, I, that, that, I, I am not I am not opposed to street racing. I just don't think this was well thought. I just think that the guys better show up with bulletproof vests and I don't know what the over under is of bullet holes leaving in the car. So um I, yeah, I would figure at least two or three trunk lids are gonna get <laughs> are gonna get shot up. I hope not. God I hope not. Think about the implications of something like that really happening. I really hope that NASCAR goes the extra and beyond because this is a redneck sport going into the streets of Chicago. There's a lot of uh a lot of negativity given already to NASCAR. Um we would hate to see uh a, a situation happened where the, our fans, uh, the community, the racers were not safe. Um, it's never happened and, before, and, but it has happened in other venues. And so, um, you know, we have to we have to remind ourselves where we are at and what might could happen. And and that has been my biggest complaint from the beginning. Why Chicago? There are many other cities that that could have handled this that are much safer and and i'm not i i I'm not being negative or bigoted towards Chicago, but we all know the statistics and right. I just I just pray to God that everyone from the the teams, the drivers, the fans, that everyone is safe. 
Yeah, not to turn this political, but you're taking these guys into a city that has the safest gun laws in the in the United States. And so these guys are not going to be able to protect themselves. I hope, like Hill, the Chicago Police Department, NASCAR, private security companies have the protection needed that these uh, that these drivers uh, may may need. I mean, as long as there's a big piece of security, I figure nothing will happen whatsoever. But you're bringing a whole lot of people into a place that they've never been before, into a race that's never happened before, in the streets that we've never seen before. And obviously, you know, gangs run certain territories. We don't know. Like, I hate to be the the bearer of this. And, you know, maybe it's no. appropriate to talk about. But, no. I mean, there's the it's truth. Not, it, it is not inappropriate, Chris. That is my main concern. Chicago is one of the worst cities as far as gun violence goes. And, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily hear about it. But the murder rate in Chicago is outrageous. And the gun violence in Chicago is outrageous. And... You know, so I, I'm not, I'm just worried about the safety, like I keep saying, of the drivers, the teams, and the fans. I, I'm afraid right. that something's going right. to happen that, that's not NASCAR related, but something's going to happen and it, it it's just going to turn into into a mess. And I'm praying and hoping that I'm wrong. And I'm praying and I'm hoping for safety for everyone. Well, I do have a stat of the day, and it has to do with Chicago. But since there's never been a race here before, I had to step out to really find a stat of the week. So are you guys ready? Here's the drum roll. Okay. In 2012, a Chicago man bought a car for $600, registered it in his ex-girlfriend's name, then parked it at O'Hare Airport and racked up 678 parking tickets, totaling the grand total of... 105,761 dollars and 80 cents. That is a day. That is a day. Bop, bop. That is a day. That is a day. Bop, bop. Huh? What do y'all think about that? Yeah, that is a day. <laughs> yeah I ain't paying those parking tickets. <laughs> Revenge is a dish best served cold. That's it. Oh, boy. Sorry, I'm trying to get things prepped because I have nothing prepped for Chicago. (laughs) Don't you miss what he for you. Come here, boy. IndyCar used to race at um, in Cleveland at Burke Lakefront Airport. I was going to say, is it the airport? But as soon as you said yeah. Cleveland. Yep. yep. And that was yep. one of the coolest races 
and it was in a major city. It didn't involve shutting down streets. <laughs> they o- they only airport. did it for a couple of years. But, uh, you know, it was it was an interesting, different kind of race. I think we've fact-checked it, and it actually went on for almost 15 years, Ms. Lee. I think we I think we checked that already, if I'm not mistaken. Look, okay. And coming into the hot topics, I mean the hot picks, Taz, I think anybody that's won uh, a road course race is in this. And I think one of the – now is not the time to forget the Michael McDowell's, the Chris Bushers. Um, and you kind of build from that, of course, A.J. Armendinger, um, Christopher Bell, Martin Truex Jr., and Harvick, William Byron, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott. Um, do we do we have anything to work with with this race? No. So, I mean, I'm going to be pissed off at eight o'clock in the morning when I pick Joey Logano and I get an email back that says he's already been picked. So, <laughs> there. Well, <laughs> well, I kind of. Well, obviously, normally, as you guys know, I go off of um, I go off of stats and whatnot. Um, but we don't have that luxury um, with this, so I kind of have to play by the odds and where I look at for odds where where odds where I look at for odds is on actionnetwork.com because they have um they usually pull off odds from MGM, FanDuel, Sports or DraftKings, Caesars, Bet Rivers. Um most of them have been released. They're waiting on a few more so right now they're looking at and I kind of based my favorite wow. contenders and underdogs off this. Um, I've I have listed three names in each category as I normally do. So I have listed Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, Martin Truex Jr. on the favorites. For contenders, I put William Byron, Christopher Bell, Chris Busher. Underdogs, I have listed Ty Yibbs, Chase Briscoe, and Ricky Stenhouse. Obviously, um, there obviously there are names that Chris has mentioned that are off the table, but that we are now open to the panel. And Miss Lee, you're getting ready to say, "Hey, yeah, Danger, <laughs> duh, <laughs> Danger." I'm sorry. This is this is up his alley. He he's got to be a contender. I mean, he ran pretty well at Sonoma. I I was gonna pick I was gonna pick Dinger for Sonoma, and then I sat there I was like, yeah, he's gonna find a way to choke it. And and shit, you not? He made me eat my words on that one. Sound familiar, Chris? 
most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, no, Ding, Dinger's got, Dinger's got experience that a lot of the NASCAR drivers don't. So I, I think he absolutely has to be a contender. Yeah, based off the colleague car, I would have to say a contender more than a favorite. We would not be surprised, but we're not looking at him as a favorite. And Martin, eat those words. AJ has a way of making us do that. Who the hell would have thought he won Nashville in the Xfinity race? Well, we've got four contenders. So have three favorites, three underdogs. Um... Well, I think Suarez has to be added as an underdog, and Austin Cindric as well. Oh, definitely. I'll throw. Oh, definitely. Um, I think, I think Logano deserves the spot. Like you mentioned earlier, you know him with unique new tracks. I think he should be. Mm. Not necessarily contenders, maybe an underdog. Corey listed as an underdog. Logano. Okay, no, Logano's not big on road courses. He's big on inaugural races. Yeah. I I mean I'm gonna I I have to throw Kyle Larson and Kyle Bush into the favorite category. I mean they're they're probably the two arguably the two hottest Chevy drivers outside of William Byron. And maybe and you can probably throw Ross Chastain in that mix in that mix. Larson's Larson's not been great lately. So I don't know if I would necessarily put him as a contender. Maybe an underdog. And I'm a Larson fan. So well if Larson's not going in favorites, we can throw him in contenders because our underdog list is full. Okay, contender then. All right, are we feeling okay about Kyle Busch as a favorite at least? Why not? He could surprise us. He has so far this year, so. I would put Kyle Busch in my top three. Another person we could. We could wheel into the favorite part if we wanted to. He has one on a road course, and he's actually, I believe he's won on two road courses, and he just won uh, Nashville. What about Ross Chastain? I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I think this is more of a place where you're going to see retaliation on Ross. Um, but there again, we're talking about RCR. 
I mean, uh, Earnhardt Childress and Racing Motors, they seem to be stout at places like this. We've seen a good showing from Eric Jones and other drivers um, at certain tracks. And this this road course racing has seemed to be uh, pretty good for the uh, Earnhardt Children's Racing Motor Department. Uh, with Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, uh, several of these drivers that are in ECR motors, they've, they've gotten wins at road courses. Uh, so, I mean, I wouldn't be too far off the grid. I do agree with that. So, are we favor of favorite or contender there, Chris? Contender for sure. Contender. All right. Well, we filled our contenders and underdogs list. Our favorite list is short, but we can leave it like that. Is Martin Curtis Jr. on his favorite? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he's really the guy that uses circles. Where do we Busher, we, I have listed as a contender. He was my okay. top three contender to throw in. Okay. Um, couple names is, that we have missed is uh, Harvick, as Tristan mentioned. McDowell wasn't what was a name mentioned earlier. Uh, of, I know there's a name or two I'm missing that we mentioned earlier. Um, maybe we didn't. We didn't mention Jensen Button. We didn't mention her. Eric Jones was a name we mentioned and we missed the mark on. There is another consider, outside guy. I would consider Button a contender. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of experience there. I don't see him necessarily winning, but I think he'll do well. Are we underplaying him like a Ryan Priest or a Ty Gibbs even? I'm not. I'm not throwing Ty Gibbs out the door. I put him as an underdog, top underdog, nonetheless. Um, Ryan Priest, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to remember, how did he do at Sonoma? Priest does well we know on road courses, but I don't I know. know. I know Priest was. I know Priest is a short track racer, but a lot. Of I'm not sure about road courses. Have, not, but a lot. Of, if you remember Marcus Ambrose, he was a road course racer, but he would also contend to places like Bristol and stuff. So, I feel like there is a some kind of similarity between road course racing and short track racing. I think a lot of it has to do with entry of the corner. Um, so maybe that helps kind of process over. But I always remember Marcus Ambrose doing really good at places like Bristol and Martinsville, if y'all remember that. Oh, yeah, true. That, that, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, 
shoot, I think this would be, I think this would have been a good mark for uh, a cup team to try to freaking grab Helio Castroneves on this freaking deal. If we're just going to throw names out there. Right. <laughs> It's a it's a crapshoot. We ain't never done this before, you know. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it, y'all. I know I didn't really put my opinion in on what's happening here uh, with the Chicago race. I, I do like first timers. Um, I'm always intrigued. When we do something new, I feel like that was NASCAR's uh, post-COVID business model was, if you think it, we can do it. Um, and I think that this falls into that. And that's where I think we thought about it once before, where we're showing that we can do it. And whether or not it's going to be a hit, one way we'll find out. You know, uh, we we got to go race it. Um, do I have expectations? No, I mean, of course not. I mean, I just hope, like, my only thing is I hope everybody's safe. Like, I hope we uh, end this thing without a hitch, you know, without anything going wrong. Um, That's my biggest concern, uh, whether or not. No. Who's riding with you? See, and this is the problem. Okay, I'm in the middle of a show, Right. Okay, thank you. Okay, Mama said yeah. Well, then Mama needs to get in the car and go ride with y'all because this boy ain't got a, a driver's license yet. He's only got a permit. And I'm still doing a show. This is live. So I appreciate it. So, we'll see just what this turns out to be. And yeah. You know, like I said, safety is my biggest concern. I think NASCAR could have done this better, but we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be exciting. I I think it's going to be fun. But, you know, again, safety is my number one concern. In this day and age of throwaway, um, I can kind of see why NASCAR wants to, you know, go to a venue like this. That way, you know, they take it down and it's over with. Unlike building a new racetrack uh, that races 10 years and then all of a sudden goes defunct, similar to what Kentucky Speedway and other broken promises of NASCAR California Speedway. I was going to say, I kind of feel like – Obviously, NASCAR has been in Chicagoland for years. We haven't met, and obviously, we haven't ran at Chicagoland Speedway in a few years now. And obviously, there's a NASCAR fan base out there, uh, and people have been wanting NASCAR to return to Chicagoland, you know. And I feel like NASCAR is kind of like, well, we'll go back to Chicago to fulfill that fan base that's out there. Well, let's try something different, and voila, we got a street course. And I think they got the market, but the question is, did they get the good race replacement? I, I'm going to go out there and say no, 
but I'll eat my words if I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Taz. If we're going to race in Chicago, we should race in Chicago land. It was a good racetrack. It always had its own style racing. A lot like home right. we, we never saw the same race twice. Um, Kentucky, understandable. Craft racing never really was a good place to go. Uh, nothing around it. So, you know, I understand. But, uh, you know, we're talking about Chicago land. That was a great facility. And just trading this off for the, you know, it is what it is. I expect success. I won't settle for anything less. Um, my expectations are uh, stagnant, I guess, at this point in time. Like, I'm just wanting to get through this. And we'll we'll be able uh, to tell everybody about what we see next week on uh, Race Chat Live. Look, we got about 10 minutes. Um, I, I feel like we've covered everything uh, we need to cover. Um, you know, it's, uh, did you guys uh, catch any uh, – what did y'all do on your off week? I unfortunately had to put my dog down. Oh, I see. Damn. Dad, please bail me out of this one. Damn, I'm sorry, Miss Gage. I forgot. Uh, me, my usual, uh, my usual, you know, come home, get dinner done, and kids to bed for. I think last week was yeah, last week was their final week of school up here. So I'm sure I'll get in trouble for sharing a little bit too much information, but my wife got on to me uh, because I haven't been uh, doing a continuous streak of the shows, and so she has somehow gotten behind on her waxing because she uses the time that I'm doing the show to do her waxing. So if that's ever been the case for you, Taz Taylor, (laughs) she is going to kick your ass. <laughs> no, because she never listens to the show and she's not in here right now. So. <laughs> well, then I'll kick your ass for her. <laughs> uh, well, let me bend over. <laughs> Guys, it's been a great night. Glad to have y'all. Um, looking forward to what we can get out of the Chicago race. I'm expecting some news. I expect the ball to start rolling with the Martin Truex Jr., Eric Amarola, possibilities of retirement. I don't know why Martin Truex Jr. would announce his retirement right now. I just do not see that happening. Whether or not he is going to be a Joe Gibbs racing, I think that's the question. I mean, maybe Johnny Morris decides that he wants to put all of his money into one organization, and you see Martin Truex Jr., sign a long-term deal with Stuart Haas Racing, and we make Stuart Haas Racing great again. Maybe that's in the plan. Maybe that's uh, what the future might hold. It would be really cool to uh, uh, see uh, uh, Martin Truitt in a Ford. I think him in everything Martin, but a Ford. Martin's not going to retire now. He's, he's left. He, he's left his relationship with Jerry behind and he's ready to go do what he wants to do. We're going to see things from Martin that we haven't seen. Like we said, right here on Race Chat Live. Strong words, Miss Lee. Strong words. Taz Taylor, you take the hook, man. Get us out of here. 
All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss a live show, you can always catch us on any form of podcast, such as Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, go subscribe to the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel. Uh, There's content such as There's Only One Nation. You'll hear clips of not only our show, but the Wednesday night 110 Nation Sports show with Mr. CJ and Mario from Carolina Sports Plus. Uh, You'll also see other different uh, videos as well as uh, the 110 Nation tries to expand and grow um, to other platforms as well. We want to thank our sponsors as well, Bears Bullish Market, uh, Carolina Sports Plus, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, More to Music, Karaoke and Entertainment, TNT Designs, and with that being said, we'll see you the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night here on Race Chat Live on Blog Talk Radio. This has been the Caution Flag of Racing Radio. Chris Creighton, the mama bear of the 110 Nation, Lee Reed. Hopefully, uh, Craig will be able to join us uh, sometime before the year is over. Uh, I'm the Tasmanian Double Flaggers, Kev Taylor, saying goodnight. We'll see you all next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.